Well, I can preach now. What a sweet time of worship. I, I, I was sitting down here and I, I, I almost got some Bapticostal in me. And I felt, I felt like maybe it would be a distraction if I just got a little too excited. So uh, I held in my spirit a little bit, poured it out into my heart. And I, I pray that that comes out now as we dive into God's Word. I want to tell you, it's an amazing thing that happens when we worship. It's an amazing thing. It, it, it defies everything that we know and understand as humanity. I, I hope you understand that this morning, that, that when we worship songs, simple songs, doctrinal, theological songs, when we intend to put those into our heart and pour those out as a love offering to the Father above, we defy everything that is within us. You and I are not, we are not just intrinsically within ourselves. We do not desire that, but God has created us for that purpose. So that we, in knowledge of un, and understanding of who He is, so that we, when we come into relationship with Him, we have this grand opportunity because Christ tore the veil on the day of his death, we have this grand opportunity to enter the presence of God and spend time with him there, pouring out our heart before him. It's a great thing. It's an awesome privilege that we have. And so that was the pre-message message. And now I want to deliver you the message, all right? What is the greatest commandment? I think if there were ever a time that we needed to understand, truly understand that question, what is the greatest commandment, I think it's now. The world is searching for truth. We are searching for truth. You may be here this morning and, and you've come to church in a desire to search for truth. Because we know, because we see, because we understand the world around us, we desire for that solid truth by which to put everything else. You see, we live in the crisis of fake news and fake people. We long for truth in a way that creates exhilaration when we find it, and an almost depression when we don't. We not only see the facade of people on social media, and even the facade of people in person, but we, being human, we also place our own mask on when we're around others. Just a side note here. Don't try to base your life off of what you see in a Facebook feed or in an Instagram story. The, the comparison game of life is a cruel contest in which there is never a winner. You can tweet that if you want, just go ahead. But In the midst of all of this, the, the interesting thing in the midst of all of this is that we are confronted with that great question of what is the greatest 
commandments. Or let me, let me translate that a little bit for you. What is the greatest applicable truth for my life? What is the greatest applicable truth for my life? The disciples asked Jesus this question in Matthew 22. It was an important thing when it happened. In the latter part of Matthew 22, they asked him, Teacher, tell us what is the greatest commandment of all of them. Now, mind you, these are good Jewish boys. They've heard the entirety of the law. They know what all the commandments are, and they ask Jesus a very pointed question. What is the greatest of them? Which one should be the highlight reel? And Jesus' response then is his same response today when we ask the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second greatest applicable truth after that is when Jesus said, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, Jesus, when asked what the greatest applicable truth in our life is, he said two things. He said, love God with all that you are. And in the same manner, love your neighbor. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It was a simple truth but so profound for us, especially in the day and age in which we live. There's not a whole lot of people loving God with all that they are. The statistics would show you that. We have more churchgoers who don't know anything about how to live out a life of love for their neighbor than there is not. We have more people in our world who understand what it means to take care of self rather than others. And even in our pitiful human attempt to love others, we still have a tendency to turn that upon ourselves. Christ told us, love God with all that you are and love your neighbors. you love yourself. I want to take a brief moment. If you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, I want you to understand something, that without that first commandment, you cannot fulfill that second commandment. Without the first applicable truth, you cannot fulfill the second applicable truth. You can do all that you want to in the world. You can give all the money that you have to the poor. You can do everything that you can for your friends. You can take care of your family in the best manner possible. You can be the world's greatest giver, the world's greatest philanthropist. You can be the world's greatest humanitarian. You can be the world's greatest activist. But without that first applicable truth, you are merely a good person. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And Jesus would then, later in about four chapters, he would begin the process of making that a possibility for you and I. You see, Jesus went to the cross and he died. We're going to celebrate that in about five weeks when we celebrate Easter. Jesus went to the cross and he died. 
He lived a perfect life. And he died on a cross for one purpose. So that the sins of the world, your sins and mine, see you and I are a sinner. You and I have done wrong things. We've had moments where we didn't love God and there's, we've had moments where we didn't love somebody else. We've violated the two greatest commandments according to Jesus. You and I, we have sinned. And we deserve the punishment for sin. The Bible is very clear about the punishment for sin. For all those who have sinned fall short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death. And not just death in this life. Because it's appointed a man once to die. All of us are going to die. But it's the death of separation from God. It's the death of eternal value. That we would eternally be separated from a, a holy God. Because you and I can't live up to it. You and I can't go and take our own cross. Because we are not perfect, but Christ was. And He went to the cross and died for that sin. He died once for all. So that you and I would have an opportunity to be forgiven of sin. But He didn't just leave it there. You see, the reason we celebrate Easter is because Christ, three days later, He rose from the dead. So that you and I may have an opportunity to have relationship with Him. And through relationship with Him, we can fulfill the first and second greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can have an opportunity to do that today. At the end of this service, when we conclude, we're going to have an invitation. And all I need you to do is I need you to step out from where you are and I need you to walk down and I need you to take me by the hand and say, DJ, I want to be saved. And myself or someone else can show you how that's done. How we call upon the name of the Lord. How we believe in what He has done and confess Him as Lord. And the Bible tells us that we'll be saved by those things. I want you to not miss that today. In all of the applicable things that we're about to go through, in all the things that we're about to do and talk about, I don't want you to miss that we cannot fulfill the commandment to love without being in fellowship with the one who is love. We cannot do it. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to dive into a, a series that I've titled Love, Life, and Leadership. It's very important to have commas in that, by the way. I'll let you English guys fill that out, figure that out later. Love, life, and leadership. And we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 13. I challenge you this week, take and read Hebrews 13 once every day, okay? And by the end of this, we may have some of this memorized. I'm going to tell you right now, you want to start today with a scripture memorization and feel all righteous and like you're a firm follower of Jesus Christ. 13.1, let brotherly love continue. I think we can all remember that, right? Hebrews 13.1, we got it, right? Alright, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. When you get there, here in just a moment, would you go ahead and stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? Hebrews chapter 13.
starting in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. And remember the mistreated as though yourselves were suffering as part of the body. Marriage is to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor abandon you. And therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What could man do to me? Let's pray together. Father, we ask you to inhabit your word this morning as you've inhabited our praises. God, we pray that you would pour out your truth upon us. The applicable truth to love you and to love others. Teach us this morning. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let brotherly love continue is the way this text begins. And I got to be honest with you, and if we're just if we can just have an honest moment with each other, can we do that? Can I take down my facade and all my all my my wall and my fences? Can I do that? I struggle to love people. No amen, so okay. We'll move right along. Listen, I struggle loving people. I'll be honest, I'm human, and there are people that I struggle to love. Your pastor struggles to love some people. Not necessarily anybody in this room, but some people. And you say, well, what's the deal there? Well, I'm human. I have my own things, and when somebody's in conflict with those things, it's hard to love them. I struggle to love OU fans, that's fine. Amen. I struggle to love Cardinal fans. I know, I'm sorry. I struggle to love people who don't love me first. I'm going to get real now. This ain't funny no more. And I've been that way all my life. And, and the Lord has just constantly worked on me. And I, I got to tell you that it's getting better. But I just think, listen, I'm too busy to love people. I'm too busy to show my love. I struggle to show the love that I do have for people. Sometimes we say that we love people, but we struggle to show it, don't we? We say that we love our family. But when it comes time for Thanksgiving, we struggle to show it sometimes. I say that I love my in-laws. And I do genuinely love them. But I struggle to show that sometimes. We say that we love those who are around us. Maybe our coworker, maybe, maybe it's those people that we're around on a regular basis. 
at our job or at school. But we struggle to show that love, don't we? I'm going to get really real here for a minute. I struggle to love those who are hurting. Those who are mistreated, as our text said, I struggle. Not because of any mal feelings towards them, but I I just struggle to show it. I just struggle to be there. I struggle, like this text says, I struggle to honor my wife. All you wives, stop jabbing your husband in the side here, okay? I struggle. I struggle with my covetousness. There are times when I look at my life and I look at the things that are happening and I look at somebody else's life like I was talking about earlier, I see this facade that they have going on, not knowing any of the personal struggle that they have. I see that and I say, gosh, I want that. I need that. This text in Hebrews 13 hits me. Maybe it hits us too. Maybe as we sit here and read through this and you look through this and you think to yourself, don't neglect to show hospitality. Remember those who are in prison. Remember the mistreated. Honor your spouse. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Maybe you read these things and and you're like me and you you would say to me, DJ, I struggle with those too. I'm with you. I understand. I struggle. I want to give you a thought today that we find in Hebrews 13. How do we fix that? Well, we first have to identify the real problem. You see, the largest struggle for us is not found in the manner in which the struggle manifests itself. The biggest struggle for you and I is not loving somebody else. The biggest struggle for you and I is not loving someone who's hurting, not showing that love. The struggle is not honoring our spouse. The struggle is not keeping from covetousness, from wanting what everybody else has. That's not the struggle. The greatest struggle we have with loving the stranger, loving the imprisoned, the mistreated, our spouses, our friends and family, and not loving the things of this world, the biggest struggle we have is self. The biggest struggle with all of that is self. It's hard for us to love someone else because we love ourselves. A whole lot. Is anybody hearing me right now? Are you getting this? The struggle to love my wife is because I love myself a whole lot. The struggle to love a stranger is because I love myself a whole lot. The struggle to love the prisoner, the struggle to love the mistreated is because I love myself a whole lot. And we have this great struggle of self. And we encounter it in Hebrews chapter 13. So what does Hebrews 13 say about it? Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. 
For by doing this, we have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them. And remember the mistreated as though you yourselves were being mistreated. Marriage is to be honored by all. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. You see, the Bible addresses all of that. You're loving yourself. Stop doing that and love others. Now, I'll give you some context for Hebrews 13 here. We're, we're unsure of the author of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Is a well-educated person, well-versed in Jewish life because of the content of Hebrews. Very good with the language, very good with the understanding. We do know this, that it was written shortly after Christ's ascension and the spread of the gospel. We know when it was written. And the letter was written to those of Jewish descent who had converted to following Christ. And what we can gain from the text in Hebrews is that regarding their spiritual condition, they had made a lot of progress in following Jesus. They had been believers for some years. They had weathered severe persecution. They were well taught by great leaders. And they were actively loving and serving each other. But they eventually came under Jewish persecution for their faith, and now they're doubting whether Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And more persecution was on its way. And so we have Hebrews, because they were discouraged, they were regressing, and they were considering abandoning the faith. But I want to pose to you something this morning. The immediate danger threatening those readers of this letter to the Hebrews, the immediate danger was not apathy it wasn't backsliding it wasn't paganism or gnosticism of the day the encroaching peril was apostasy apostasy is this it's the deliberate and permanent rejection of jesus christ as the messiah and you may say well they wouldn't do that I mean, look at all they had endured and stood firm in. But I don't believe the issue was of a verbal and corporate nature. Because we could say, as a church, we could say, yes, we love each other and we love all people. But the issue isn't there with the verbal and the corporate idea. The apostasy could creep in by removing Christ from their faith. And now you may say to me, DJ, where are you going with this? We started talking about love. Uh, you talked about how horrible of a person you are in loving other people. And we talked about the Scripture. Where are you going with this? Well, I'm glad you asked. The greatest fear that the church today should have is attending to their faith, but not ascribing to their faith. Let me say that again. The greatest fear that the church today has is attending to their faith but not ascribing to their faith you can tweet that too if you need to we can so easily become enthralled 
with doing a lot of good things that we lose sight of the two greatest applicable truths to our life. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that is the crux of the opening piece of Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 is the crescendo of this letter. It's the great call for response to these who were near to slipping into apostasy. Apostasy, the activity of faith without the substance of faith. As we walk through this series, especially as we begin to talk about life and leadership, we're going to need to understand this principle that if our life, if our leadership is not marked by the two greatest applicable truths in our life, loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbors we love ourselves, then we will fail every single time at anything we try to do in the name of God. We have to get this point. So what should you do about this? What should I do about this? How do we get out of this rut of loving ourself more than anything else? And it's very simple. And it's going to sound very metaphysical, very kind of lofty. But it's very simple. We have to switch the direction of our love. I know, that was monumental, right? In order to begin to love others like we ought to, in order to begin to love God like we ought to, we have to switch the direction of our love. It is an intentional, step-by-step, moment-by-moment application of the Scripture that says, Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. If you're taking notes, you can write these five things down. We have to learn to love the stranger more than self. Jesus did this all the time. When Jesus is walking through the crowd, he's on his way, he's got ministry on his mind, he's going to, getting ready to heal the sick. And he's on his way, he's going to this captain's house, and all of a sudden, somebody pulls on the bottom of his robe that he's wearing. Now, let me put this to application. You and I, because we often love self more than we love even the stranger, Jesus utters the words, who touched me? And we would utter the same words. But we would utter them with condemnation more than with love like Christ did. You see, when we've got our mindset on something, we don't want to be bothered by it, do we? Personal struggle. I'm in Tulsa or Oklahoma City. I've got a task that I'm doing. I'm on my way somewhere. And I see a homeless person on the side of the road. Maybe not even with a sign asking for money. And my immediate thought is I don't have time. That's my immediate thought. Why? Because oftentimes we love ourselves, our own stuff, more than we do the stranger. 
And we have to learn to switch the direction of our love. Right there when you exit on May off of I-44 going to the Baptist building, which is right there south of the highway, when you exit there, there is always two or three people standing, usually with signs. Uh, There's one guy that has about 15 different signs. His name is Joe, and he is not a believer. Um, He does not know the Lord Jesus, but he appreciates all of the Baptist building guys who come by and offer to buy him breakfast and offer to buy him lunch and share the gospel with him. He is what we generally call a work in progress, okay? But none of us would understand those things if we didn't stop and take the time to invest in someone else. We have to learn to love the stranger more than we love ourselves. We have to learn to love the prisoner more than we love ourselves. That's a hard one. We stand on the human idea of they did it, they deserve it. Instead of coming off of our special soapbox and saying we need to love them. We need to love them as Christ loved them. Third, we have to learn to love the mistreated more than ourselves. We have to learn to specifically give time and effort and resource to the mistreated. We have to learn to love our marriage more than ourselves. This is closer to home for a lot of us. We have to learn to love our marriage more than self. We have to learn to invest time in our spouse. Invest time in our home, in our children. Maybe even giving up of our own time for that. We have to learn to love the things of God more than self. We have to learn to love the things of God more than self. We want to do all our own stuff. We want to have all our own stuff often at the expense of what God wants to do in our life. How do you switch the direction of your love? I'm going to close with this. How do you switch the direction of your love? It happens by switching the director of your life. That's why verse 6 is in here. If you read through the text, it comes odd when you start reading and you're just going along and all of a sudden verse 6 pops up. But what the writer is trying to communicate to those who are receiving this letter is that, listen, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality to the stranger. Remember those in prison. Remember the mistreated. Honor your marriage. Keep your life free from the love of money. And how do we do this? Verse 6, Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So what could man do to me? There's an important thing hiding in this little verse. And it's the idea of getting rid of fear. See, often you and I, we don't love like we ought to. Because we're afraid. You and I don't love the stranger like we ought to because we're afraid that we're going to be taken advantage of. 
You and I don't love the prisoner like we ought to because we're afraid that we may see more than we want to. You and I don't love the mistreated like we ought to because we're afraid of what we may find on the other side of their mistreatment. You and I don't like love our wife, our husband, our children like we ought to because we're afraid that we're going to lose ourselves in all of that. And you and I don't love the things of God more than things of the earth because we're afraid that God's going to call us to be a missionary, an impoverished missionary in a third world country. I want to tell you, God's called you to be a missionary where you're at. Some of you, he may be calling you to the mission field and praise God for it. And he's going to provide every step of the way. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that it's a worth nothing lifestyle. It is worthwhile to be on the mission field trusting solely in the provision of God Almighty. But we're afraid to do those things because we're afraid to lose the love of ourself. And the writer says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid for what can man do to me. The Lord is our helper. I want you to understand something this morning. You cannot, you cannot fulfill the two greatest applicable truths in your life. Loving God with all that you are and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You cannot without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, without the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ and without the ever-present provision and protection of God Almighty. We have to be in relationship with Him. We have to deny ourselves, Love Him more. Let Him be the director and learn to love others more than we love ourselves. That's the word of the Lord for you this morning. Let's pray together. God, as we enter a time of invitation, I ask that You Let your spirit move in our hearts. God, that you be glorified in this time. God, I pray that pray that you would teach us how to love. Pray that you would teach us how to love you with all that we are. God, that we would give over all those things that we're afraid of losing, that we would give over all those things that we're afraid of, of not having. that we would trust in you, our help. God, I pray that you would teach us how to love others, love our neighbors, we love ourselves. The disciples would ask, who is my neighbor? God, we know that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to find the sinner. He came to find those who are around us, God, I pray that you would challenge us with loving our neighbor, that we would see everyone as our neighbor, that we would hold to that applicable truth, that we would love our neighbors, we love ourselves. God, I pray that there be a heart here that has never had relationship with you. I pray this morning 
would not pass by without them confronting that. Confronting the idea that we are indeed sinners. That Christ was perfect and He died. And he rose from the dead so that we who call on Him, who believe in Him, would not perish but have everlasting life. And that we do that by in our heart communicating with you, talking with you, and letting you be Lord of our life. God, do that this morning in someone's heart. Father God, as we enter this time of invitation, I pray that you be glorified. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing? Would you stand with me?